a Podcast One production. You've probably heard of the famous court case where a woman sued McDonald's because she put a cup of coffee between her legs, drove over a speed hump and then got burnt. She was awarded millions and millions of dollars. Turns out that's not the only incredibly stupid, ridiculous lawsuit out there. I've got a whole list of them here. I'm going to ask our panel about whether these ridiculous claims are... Cat's pyjamas or cat's piss with the chaser. Our panel is Charles Firth, Chaz Lichidolo, Andrew Hansen, and my name is Justice Dom Knight. <laughs> Let's begin with a wonderful story from 2005. This was filed by a judge by the name of Roy Pearson. So he left a pair of grey trousers at his dry cleaners. They had special pants, they had special belt loops apparently. They were accidentally sent to the wrong dry cleaners but returned a few days later. But uh, the judge refused to accept the trousers, saying that they weren't his, despite confirmation from the records, from the receipts and from the tags on the garment. He wanted $1,000 to cover the cost of the trousers. The Chung family who owned the dry cleaners refused, so he filed a lawsuit and claimed that the signs which said same-day service and satisfaction guaranteed were misleading. Uh, as this rolled on, the Chungs ended up um, offering $3,000, then nearly $5,000, then $12,000. Pearson rejected it all. The amount he sought was $54 million for his damages in inconvenience, mental anguish, and his fees for representing himself. What do you think of his claim? Is it cat's pyjamas? Should he get the money? Should he be able to win in court? Or cat's piss? Is there anyone here that thinks he should win the $54 million? Yeah, me. Really? It, 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 it is a sacred pact that you make with a dry cleaner when, yeah. you, when you hand them especially a pair of pants. <laughs> I mean, you know, that this is your, your most treasured possession of if you're – you know, for a fellow, a pair of pants. Mm. I, I think $54 million is probably underselling mm. the amount of grief <laughs> that it would cause me if, if my pants went missing in the dry cleaner. I mean, there's a, it's a it's trust there. There's an tr- issue of trust. The dry cleaners should be like your parents. Uh, I, I, yeah. guess, I guess he didn't give satisfaction. Are they like, guaranteed satisfaction? Yeah, yeah, I like that. If I was them, I would just go, okay, sorry, can't give you pants, but we'll give you a blowy. At least you get your satisfaction. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, Take those and, pants down, sir. Hopefully that, that would be sta- same day service. Should <laughs> 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 be standard for all dry cleaners. The, 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 you know, we either clean your pants on time or you get a blowy. What I love about this story <laughs> is that they did nothing wrong with the pants. They merely misplaced them for a short time. Oh, right. And then he claimed that they weren't his pants, even though they clearly were his pants. What I love about this too, is that one of the journos who wrote this up and whose work I'm stealing looked online to find the most expensive pants in the world and find, found a diamond-encrusted pair worth $1.3 million. That's still like 50 times less than the amount of the lawsuit. See, I, I see a real opportunity here. I'm calling this cat's pyjamas as well, because just because the opportunity, because I would like to visit this judge, mm. pretend to be his friend. Then go visit his place and just just take a tour of his wardrobe. Ask him what his most his most precious pants are. Then steal them and try and sell them back to him <laughs> for fifty million dollars. Probably worth that. The that's ultimate kind of hostage. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he says that's what they were. Real opportunity. So look, he's a judge, Tom. Did, did oh, he yes. get to preside over his own trial? <laughs> no, in he didn't. This and pants look, matter. Or? It turns out that uh, basically this is part of the problem. Is he was. He was evidently just a massive dick. And I think if you've been before a no. court, as, as I have, <laughs> sometimes the people on the bench are quite unpleasant. In the end, he lost the, uh, he lost the case and um, was 
charged for ethics violations for presenting, <laughs> and I quote, uh, arguments not supported by facts or law. So not the greatest <laughs> judge. <laughs> to SeaWorld now, where in 1999 a man by the name of Daniel Dukes got killed by a whale at SeaWorld. Uh, he had a lifelong dream of swimming with a whale and he hid himself from the security guards so he could stay at the park after closing. After his death, his parents sued SeaWorld on account of failure to display public warnings that the whale could actually kill people. This is the killer whale. Pretty sure it was the killer whale. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. I feel like the English language provided the warning that was required. Yeah, okay. All right. What are you, cat's pajamas or cat's piss? I can imagine my son sneaking behind and um, staying to hang out with the bales because he loves orcas. He yeah. thinks they're Does he? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit sort of cat's pajamas yeah. that this lawsuit should get up because I think, you know, like, don't they have video cameras to let you know that a little kid's gone swimming with the whales? The guy's 27. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little guy, though. Yeah. I don't want to defame a dead and litigious person, but, but we absolutely sure this story is on the level in that yeah, I want to stay back to swim with the whales. I could have just jumped in the tank during the day, but... I chose to stay back when no one was there to, in inverted commas, swim I think had a different with agenda. the whales. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. It might have, like, there might be a reason why the whale got a little bit uh, worked up. Yeah, a little bit cranky. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but then again, Chaz, you know, what are you supposed to do if, you, if you're if you into whales? I mean, yeah, this society is the, judges only... that. Society judges that, and it's unfair. It's a, it's a preference. And, and if this <laughs> is his only venue mm. at which he can you know, meet and sort of get along with killer whales. One of the issues in the court case <laughs> was that the killer whale in question, Tillicum, um, they accused Tillicum of actually dragging Mr Dukes into the water. Oh, they claimed, okay. see, this probably wasn't before CCTV, they claimed that he dragged uh, Mr Dukes from the side of the pool into the water and committed committed murder. Yeah, I don't think they won in the end. And he was wearing his underwear at the time yeah. and it was freezing. Yeah. Here we go. It was freezing he, cold water. Yes, so. I got there. He discovered that <laughs> a candle-lit dinner with yeah. his little whale whale. <laughs> the candle-lit dinners don't work very well underwater. Well, in one sense, he was the candle-lit dinner. So, yeah. But just looking more at this, maybe there is something to this because National Geographic says, um, that Tillicum, in fact, killed three people. So look, yeah. look, I'm not saying that Tillicum is blameless in this scenario. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe two people were at fault or two creatures were at fault. That's all. There's a lot of blame to go human. around. There's a lot of blame to go around, I feel here. Yeah, because yeah. they keep saying it's an orca, it's an orca, but no, look, no, it's a killer it's whale. It's a killer whale. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably sufficient warning. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next litigious court Tillicum. case. It's a good movie about Tillicum, by the way. Is there? Documentary. Very sad. Tillicum had a very rough time in that place. Is that the reason why he, he turned to crime, Andrew, because of his, his rough childhood? Well, well, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. So he had a good excuse. He had a hard luck story. Yeah. He grew up in a bad neighbourhood <laughs> in the ocean. Yeah, the wrong, yeah, the wrong oh, yeah. side of the beach. Yeah. He was, he was in the, the, the undercurrent ghettos. Yeah. Okay. Just, just a... There's always two sides to every story. All right. Robert Lee Brock was a prisoner in Virginia in 1995. And he wanted to leave prison and he thought it might be a bit easier if he was entering a mental institution. And I think he wasn't actually eligible. We'll get on to why. So he tried to get into the mental institution, uh, you know, to get sectioned to get out of prison by suing himself for $50 million, uh, claiming that he committed a crime 
because he was drunk and that getting drunk violated his religious beliefs. So he wanted to sue himself for subjecting himself to this. And he was doing that to get locked in the institution. Yes, yeah, because anyone who looked at the lawsuit would go, this guy is really, really insane. Yeah. Well, they well, let, the, let the God guy go, but they're going after this guy. Okay. Well, maybe he wasn't so crazy because the argument then goes on. Uh, he wanted $5 million worth of damages from himself, but of course he didn't have the $5 million, but he was a ward of the state. So he thought, well, the state should, as my acting parent, chip in the $5 bucks. Does this person seem insane? No, let me it's ask a tricky you. One. I mean, would, look, would you uh, give the five million dollars and/or transfer him? I think this guy is a genius, yeah. and he's probably actually a high-powered lawyer because I haven't done law, <laughs> but whenever my law school friends sort of talk about the law, this is what it sounds like. Like, you know, they just go, well, well, we'll just sue ourselves and then three months later the government will give us a whole ton of money. Like, uh, like he's probably a lawyer for a bank. Like, that's, that's exactly the sort of scheme that a bank would get up to. I, I literally majored in suing myself. <laughs> the suit was thrown out and uh, the judge actually called the lawsuit ridiculous. So, unfortunately, yeah. he had to stay in prison. Mm. But, you know, because, you know, there, there is a case in... In Canada at the moment, where the egg board of one of the provinces in Canada disagreed with this sort of law that meant that some provinces were stopping eggs from being imported into those provinces. Okay. So what they did is they replicated that exact law in their own province and then sued themselves up to the Canada's Supreme Court to say this is an unconstitutional law, uh, and they won. It's like it's standing, yeah. I see. Uh, yeah, so they, yeah. they won by having the law that they disagreed with, and yeah. then it was ruled as unconstitutional throughout Canada. So no one else could do it. That's and actually so a very does, clever idea. It does actually, it, that is how the law works. And did, were all the eggs placed in an asylum as a result of that? No, I think they, <laughs> unfortunately, they put all their eggs into one basket. Ah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Now, a, a woman in Israel, I don't know how to have her name, sued a TV station for getting the weather prediction wrong. Um, <laughs> the TV station said it was the weather was going to be fine, but it rained. Oh. She dressed lightly, so caught the flu. I am oh. with her. It is yes. so annoying when the yes. weather is wrong. Yes. I, yes. And you know oh, what? Yeah. I'd take this further. I wouldn't just allow people to sue the weather when they're wrong. I'd also allow them to sue the voiceover guy for the ads when he says a, a, a comedy like The Big Bang Theory is hilarious or riotous <laughs> and it's just really quite mediocre. Yes, I would definitely sue him. He causes all kinds of anguish. It's so true, Tess. If you set aside time to watch that program yes. and then suffer emotional distress because it's not as, as riotous no, as the voiceover had far promised. far from riotous. It's usually quite boring. Then yeah. cat's pajamas. Yes. Isn't it true that any She's movie that in the voiceover goes, it's a laugh riot, yeah. hilarious, is yeah. just not mm. going to be funny. Surely it, that's forewarning at that point. This woman, no, 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 this, this woman is my guru. She is, she is staying for all of us. She is the everyman. Mm. <laughs> I, I think it's wonderful. I'd love to sue the, the weather app on my phone oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm. Freak, frequently wrong and I'm wearing the wrong thing. But, I mean, just to play devil's advocate here, oh. uh, because I know it does sound very sensible to sue the weather people, <laughs> but don't you think that they, they just make their best efforts to predict the weather and, and then nobody actually knows the future? So if they occasionally get it wrong, then they yeah, should look, just I, be I, allowed? No, these people, these people do know the future. They have the ability to tell the future. It's, it's given to them. With that, when they wear those crazy bow ties, that, that gives them their power. The crazy bow ties gives the weatherman the ability to know the future, and they shouldn't lie. 
They shouldn't lie about it, Charles. Let's go clubbing with Cara Walton. She wanted to go to a nightclub, didn't want to pay the $3.50 entrance fee. So she, <laughs> she broke in through the toilet window to get in for free, fell down on the floor and knocked out her two front teeth. Okay. She sued. Okay, I have personal experience of this, mm. which you may or may not remember, Dom. Do you remember? The, uh, during, the, during the 2000 Olympics, I was a little bit obsessed with the nightclub uh, that became known as the last lap, right? Yeah, which was um, which is where all the swimmers hung out. That was in Darling Harbour, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, Darling yeah, Harbour. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and why were you obsessed with that? Well, just because I thought it was just just kind of amazing that you'd have all these swimmers just just hanging around drinking. Are you in together. love with Hattie ha- Lewis? Misty Hyman's. I had my eye on Misty Hyman's. Yeah, yeah, the American, the American. Yeah. I remember Adam Hills making jokes yeah. about it for about twenty years. After yeah, that. Anyway. there was uh, the last lap. You could pay a hundred dollars to get in as a member of the public. No way. I wasn't going to do that. Number one, I didn't have $100. And number two, it's just a principle. And so I, I did try to break in the last lap several times. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> did you, did it you just, succeed? It just became a thing that I tried to do. So and, we, was your plan to go to Misty Hyman's and say, hey, Misty, I'm too broke to afford to get in here. <laughs> look, 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 I will be honest. I'll be honest. I didn't really have a plan to, to win Misty Hyman's heart. It was more about just getting into the last lap. I thought it would be a good story for radio one day. Mm. And I was right, and, uh, at least for a podcast. And uh, and so I was trying to get in through a toilet window if I could have, but in the end, I was like walking along like the second floor. I don't even remember how I ended up here. It was like it was like a ledge on the second floor that I was walking along, trying to get in through a window. And I, de- and I suddenly realised as I was edging along that I had ended up in a place where the floor dropped below you, so it was no longer the second floor. It oh. was now the third or fourth floor. Oh, no. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, I, like, while this is this would be a cool story, it will only be a cool story if I'm alive. And uh, so, <laughs> so I did try to edge along a little bit further, but then I decided I just sort of gave up. And it would have been worth it if yeah. you dropped down going, Misty. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I do, I do sympathise with this person <laughs> trying to sneak in through the, through the bathroom. Room. She could have. She could have at least tried to Batman it along the ledge, though. She could have at least tried. From a principle <laughs> perspective, society needs to protect idiots like Chaz <laughs> from so, themselves, and so you know, establishments have a duty of care to the people trying to break into them. So you think that the nightclub in question should have had some sort of rubberized. Maybe a, 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 like a bouncing castle floor of their bathroom so that any idiot breaking in no. would have been able to land safely. That, or that, at the very least, Misty Hyman's should have been protected <laughs> with some sh- sort of rubbery, bouncy sh- coating. Misty Hyman's <laughs> should have been there ready to catch this person when they fell in through. <laughs> look, look, i got to say, this, this lawsuit actually, now I think about it, 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 this applies to me in two ways. Not only was I stupid <laughs> enough to try and break in to a nightclub in the same way, but I was also stupid enough when I was in high school, Dom will definitely remember this, to to try and do a backflip into a pool at a hotel and knock my tooth out oh, in the yeah. process. You did knock your tooth out. Yeah, I remember so that very I didn't try and I didn't try and sue the hotel because I was a moron. <laughs> well, Chazzy, yeah. you really should have because yeah. she was awarded $12,000 ah! and got her dental expenses paid. Oh, my God, I should have sued the hotel. Is it too late? This was like 30 See, years ago. I bet you that was, that was in America, wasn't Surely. it? Surely. Yeah, yeah, because this is the whole thing. Over there... They have to sue people because it'd be like one point three million dollars in healthcare bill for a knocked out tooth. She makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Two teenagers um, broke into a house or some sort of private property. Jeffrey Klein and Brett Birdwell. Uh, While doing so, they touched 
an uninsulated wire and got electrocuted. They sued the owner of the house. What do you think? Cat's pyjamas or cat's piss, would you pay them out? Sneaking around on someone's property, touched a bare wire and got uh, got zapped. A bare wire? Yeah, got electrocuted. Mm. Look, again, I I hold to this principle, which is you got to protect the world from idiots. And... And it, like, if you own a piece of property, you got to make it safe, even if the, the people intrude in on it. Well, like, look, what, what if it was a firefighter running to save your mm. burning building, and they right. they entered without your permission? Well, then yeah. the, with you, Charles. Well, then like, the firefighter what? could sue, yeah. as, a, as opposed to a burglar. <laughs> well, <he could. laughs> yeah, but why why would you differentiate yes. between a heroic firefighter <laughs> and a sneaky burglar? I can't imagine why. I already feel embarrassed that I tried to make that distinction. I wouldn't mind if the firefighter got the twenty four point two million dollars that the teenagers got. In yes, the I was right. Two million. Twenty-four million. Twenty-four million. How does a homeowner even afford to pay for that? It's insurance. It's Just America. That's land of the free, home of the insurance well, payout. I, All right. If it's if it's the land of the free, you don't need twenty-four million dollars. <laughs> Still in America, <laughs> here. everything's free. I really love this one. This is a very special one. Someone bought a house, and it turned out that it had a reputation for being haunted and contained a poltergeist. Now, I some saw pe- this. This is Beetlejuice. Some people. <laughs> Now, some people would view a poltergeist as an added bonus, as a feature that wasn't advertised. Yeah. But this person sued mm. because it wasn't disclosed that there was a poltergeist. It went all the way to the state Supreme Court. What would you rule if you were the Supreme Court? Is that cat's pyjamas, that claim, or cat's piss? Oh, I would totally uphold that claim. I mean, you know, when you buy a house, you have to check the contract and it should have all the inclusions listed, blinds, dishwasher, range hood, poltergeist, (laughs) floor fittings. It should be on there. Surely this is the wrong person suing. Shouldn't that be the poltergeist selling? Because <laughs> they go, well, yeah, I, I have a house here, and then you've just sold it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, possession <laughs> is nine tenths of the law. Yeah, exactly. Surely, demonic yeah. possession should count for that. Well, it turns out that in the state of New York, you don't have to report when selling your property uh, if there are termites, cockroaches, collapsing roofs, or foundation problems. But you do have to report a poltergeist. Really? Uh, yeah, they won in the in the state supreme what? court of New York's. No. They did. How did, how did they prove there was a poltergeist? It says this right here in the listicle that I told us from. I don't believe this. How, how did they prove? Surely you would have to prove that there was a poltergeist to win that court case. Oh, I'm sure that the per- person brought witnesses forward that claimed there was a poltergeist. <laughs> Maybe the pol- poltergeist testified. That's a, that's a very friendly poltergeist. <laughs> well, because it, it, is, it is true in Australia that if you if there's a multiple homicide committed in your house. You're thinking of Seth Gonzalez. I am. Mm. You have to disclose that to the next buyers. You can't just go, oh, this blood-stained house is totally... It's going surprisingly (laughs) clean. It's freshly clean. Man, they they do not need to disclose it to the next buyers. They need to disclose it to me because that is a bargain. I would snap up every (laughs) single house which has had a murder in it if I could. (laughs) Please ring me up right now if you have murdered someone in a house and looking to sell it. Didn't this go to court? Didn't didn't they change the laws? Because people believe that it was haunted or or something. It was horrific murder. It's horrible. It's entire family. Mm, that's um, another podcast. Yeah, um, okay. the, the thing I love about what, what you said, Jazz, is that I know you and yeah. I know that to be absolutely true. That that is, you, yeah. you would gleefully buy a murder house just yes. so that you had like a study. Yes. This is, <laughs> I know that would not trouble you the, at all. Yeah, this is in no way a joke. I absolutely would. This is an <laughs> offer. So, Chaz, 
<laughs> to be clear, yeah. you can't actually murder the person. There are some limits to this. Yeah, yeah. Look, don't, 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 don't break the law for me. Yeah, just if you happen to be murdering yeah. someone, then just, just let me know. That's all I'm saying. Or you know, be about to and. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I don't yeah. want to get involved, but just just <laughs> after the murder, yeah, just give me a call. That's all I'm saying. There you go. Contact him through us. Uh, no, don't. That's terrible. All right, let's move on. This is an Australia one. This one is about Australia, but set in America where so many of these have taken place. A New Yorker by the name of Leif Nelson was a big fan of Foster's Lager. Oh, yeah. All the kangaroos yep. and this, that's this of Australia. There's a, a fair lawsuit already. Thought it was just a great <laughs> thing. Big fan of it. Yeah. So I was pretty unhappy when it turned out that Foster's Lager isn't Australian. Uh, was very angry then when he found out that the Foster's was brewed in Texas. Yeah. So what's the lawsuit? So sued Foster's to claim that their advertising was misleading and that it wasn't Australian. What do you think? Well, uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all sounding accurate so far. Why didn't he just ask 22 million Australians <laughs> that ever heard of Foster's before? <laughs> it's a great one, isn't it? Because, yeah, I remember during the Sydney Olympics we were talking about Foster's briefly appeared. Every bar in town mm. served Foster's. For so, two weeks and then stopped again. So this is an American guy who was so obsessed with Australia that he would only drink beer that he thought was Australian. So he said, I love it so much, I'm, ha- I'm going to keep drinking it as long as you remove uh, all the stuff from the packaging. So Okay, so hang on. So, so now he's saying, I'm going to keep on drinking it anyway, no problems, but just stop saying that you're from Australia. Yeah. Well, yeah, stop, I, I think it's that it's an Australian beer. I think, this is the first lawsuit where I thought that is a genuinely good point. Look, I think that they should... Not trade on the Australianness of the. Thing. I, I, I think it's a fair point as well. But Charles, let's just hold that thought for a second. How much was he suing Foster's for? Because yeah, if the answer is seventy-five billion dollars, <laughs> then maybe it's not quite so reasonable. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah, that should be a lie on their ads. That's what it is. It's a lie. Now look, I don't yeah, know what happened yeah, yeah, in this lawsuit. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but but before this, a brewer was hit with a twenty million dollars settlement after a court found that uh, they'd misled their customers into thinking that their beer was German when it was brewed in America. Is Foster's originally an Australian company, or yeah, Carlton well, United Brewery? That, fair enough. I mean, does this does this same man, when he goes to his local Chinese restaurant, also <laughs> take them to court and say you have to remove all the Chinese decorations because this is not really a Chinese, this is an American restaurant? All right. Now, speaking of ridiculous claims, a man who was bitten by a dog in New York City sued the city of New York. He was so angry for literally all the money on the planet. Uh, he sued for that's a good one. two undecillion dollars, and that's I won't say how many zeros, but it's basically oh, probably about thir- twenty or thirty zeros after the two. I don't know why it was two rather than one, but yeah, all the money in the world because his middle finger got infected after he was nipped by a canine with rabies on the bus. Did he win? Do I owe this man all my money? <laughs> well, is is the fact that this man? had rabies at the time. (laughs) At all significant in this story. (laughs) That's a very good point. I think we can move on. That's a really interesting one. This one went for ages. Frothing at the mouth. All the money in the world. I'd love to talk to this guy, ask him what he imagined was going to happen. It's basically a whole list of guests for Radio Chaser. So let's go to Rotterdam in the Netherlands where in 2009, philosophy undergraduate Tunis Tenbrook sued the university after they expelled him 
for having stinky feet. This is a man who <laughs> always had bare feet, oh. never washed them. Okay, this is apparently personal. the stench was huge. Mm. Okay, I'm, what do you think the court ruled? I am taking this very personally because, uh, as you guys know, I like to um, walk around barefoot. You do a lot. I don't have stinky mm. feet. You do, do wear I? socks usually. But he has bare feet. I, this I, guy. I do wear do wear socks. It's um okay. So so they expelled him. Yeah. For having stinky feet and, uh, and the staff enough. and students complained. They said it was impossible to work given the foul stench of his feet. <laughs> Can you imagine how stinky those feet must have been? So to be yeah. able to smell them that far away. Yeah, I assume it wasn't a mild <laughs> and, and thing. And also, also, I can tell you from my mm. own experiences that since I do walk around barefoot, walk around barefoot is the way for your feet to not be stinky. That's right. So mm. imagine how stinky his feet would have been if they were in shoes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Look, I think this goes back to the very early days of liberalism. <laughs> Everything does, Charles. I like how you just managed to put it in the wider context. Because I think we're on Sky News all of a sudden. This is, you know, um, you know, this is outsiders. You're allowed to do whatever you like as long as you don't scare the horses. (laughs) And I, I have a feeling that (laughs) that you know, having smelly feet is scaring the horses. I think they were totally legitimate in getting rid of this. Smelly yeah, foot guy. Yeah. Cat's pyjama. I'm with you, Charles. Yeah. Cat's pyjama. Like other people smelling bad in any way, if, if they're eating smelly food or if they've got bad breath or B.O. or whatever, um, it, it makes it impossible for the rest of us to, to carry on our lives nearby. It's, well, it's a really huge problem. Mm, and they, I, I, yeah. I think it's fair but, enough to get rid of these people, and, put and them and all I, on an island somewhere. I don't think our politicians are doing enough. <laughs> No. No, Where's about the stinky, the stinky foot threat? Yes, yes, I want Peter Duncan with a can of, of foot deodorant spraying everyone at the airports when they arrive. I, I, I don't think it's fair what you guys are saying about, about isolating the, the stinky people because what happens if, say, the devil wants to go to university and, like, he smells of sulfur? You know, like, what's he going to do about it? It's not his fault. That's such a brilliant argument. <laughs> and maybe that and maybe, was... maybe he'd be less evil if he went to university and studied ethics. Maybe Just an argument. Well, one of the things I love about this, which I haven't mentioned before, is uh, Tunis Tenbrook, the smelly-footed uh, person, had he was a philosophy student, which makes all kinds of sense somehow. <laughs> but in the end of the day, Chazzy, yeah, he won. Yes, of course he did. The best part of a decade in the courts, uh, (laughs) the court in Rotterdam ruled that the staff would have to hold their noses and read it. You know what happened? What happened was he just turned up to court barefoot. (laughs) Just go, get him out of here. You won, you won, go, go. (laughs) That's what happened. Lucky he didn't go to prison after this uh, trial. It would have been a massive breakout. (laughs) It wouldn't have lasted long on the inside. All right, and the final one uh, is a, a man who deserves a great deal of credit, a man by the name of Jonathan Lee Riches. Despite being locked <laughs> up in Kentucky, yep. he has managed to file almost 4,000 lawsuits against Adolf Hitler, the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> the Garden of Eden and the former planet Pluto. He's tried to sue George Bush and Britney Spears. In 2009, the Guinness Book of World Records uh, listed Jonathan Lee Riches as the most litigious individual in history. He sued them as well. What would you have ruled in that lawsuit? <laughs> well, like for him to sue them, I presume it's defamation. It needs to be not true. Like, surely this is true. He is the most litigious person in history. In yes. all of history. How do we know? Mm. Well, they didn't even have courts until quite recently. Wasn't someone in ancient Rome of, I don't know, <laughs> Cicero's friend or something? How do you know? He sued Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone in Rome he... sue Pluto? He should have sued Pluto Nash. That was deserving of... <laughs> uh, mean the planet he... Pluto or, or, or the, the, the dog. Disney dog? <laughs> 
Probably both. Uh, I'll look it up. <laughs> they both have it coming, let's face it. If they reckon he is, I'm prepared to believe them. I'm sure they've done the homework. So, yeah, I think you are stuck in a logic problem there. That uh, it's you can't sue them if it's just a fact, can you? you think but his you, reputation. You, you think you can't sue Pluto either, but he still managed to do that. <laughs> oh, I see for you, his you, reputation. You think he could? You think you think he can't sue? So Adolf Hitler, 50 years after he's dead, this is pretty good. he yeah. still managed to do that. He mm. sued Pluto, but also Plato. Really? Yes. Plato and Pluto. Yeah, look, I don't quite know what happened. The things in his suit, here's what he claimed about the Guinness Book of World Records. Yep. Uh, certain phrases, the Patrick Ewing of suing and Johnny Tsunami hurt my feelings and violate my civil rights. I've filed okay. so many lawsuits okay. that okay. I've got arthritis, okay. I've got bags under my eyes for sleepless uh, nights suing I, the world. I understand now. He's, he's suing them for bad wordplay. Upheld. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's won. Yeah, look, this was dismissed in the end. Oh, and no a, justice. There's a sad ending to this uh, case, really, because in the following year, in 2010, the state of Kentucky uh, Attorney General's office sued him for wasting judicial resources. Oh, yeah. Oh, Taste of his own medicine. What do you think? Just this whole process of just trying it on and having a lawsuit for whatever minor issue, cat's pajamas or cat's piss. Look, I think I think Dom is directing this directly at me because he knows that most of my family do exactly this. Watch out, they could see you in the segment. <laughs> right. I'm not going to name any names. But, uh, but there, are, there are plenty of uh, yeah, interesting so, lawsuits in my family. And what's the mindset? Like, why? The mindset is that they like money. That's the mindset. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really <laughs> defamatory. <laughs> So there you go. The lesson is be careful who you sue. We'll catch you next time on Cat's Pyjamas with The Chaser. Cat's Pyjamas or Cat's Piss with The Chaser was written and presented by The Chaser. Created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell. Sound production by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or search Cat's Pyjamas on Apple Podcasts.